0: Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too.
1: Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Callie Come here. On, with the holidays right around the corner, you're probably asking yourself, what is the most badass gift of all time? Well, I'm here to tell you. It's a space shuttle. A space shuttle is definitely the most badass gift of all time. But you can't afford that, and we at Power Athlete appreciate that. That's why we like to supply you with the second most badass gift idea of all time. Dedicate episode 87 of Power Athlete Radio to your favorite coach, lifting partner, lover, or even stripper. Here's how it works. Go to the dedication link attached to this blog post and submit your best offer. And through silent auction, we'll determine the winner by December 17th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Not only will you be supporting the efforts behind this free podcast, but you'll be eligible to win two one-minute dedication spots narrated by yours truly. The phone won't stop there, though. Give us details about your special gift recipient, and we'll be sure to add them throughout the show. So don't hesitate to support Power Athlete Radio's endless supply of knowledge bombs through your giving spirit. Now, here's the show.
2: There's a birthday party at the home of
3: This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny K. Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set,
4: and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs.
3: What's happening, Power Athlete Nation? Welcome to episode 85 of Power Athlete Radio. We got a full house today. We got <laughs> Cali and Tex and PlayTech. And then we got some boys down in Australia. Put another shrimp on the Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got the Luke Summers. The crush master Go Bobby Goodfellow. And they're hanging out with <laughs> the physio detective Anthony Lowell. What's going on, everybody? Hey, hey how are you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? What
0: lovely accent you have.
4: You got to put another shrimp on the barbie, boys. Put another in.
3: shrimp on the barbie!
0: <laughs> oh, my <New> God. Jersey?
1: <laughs> the best is seeing Denny do it. Denny do his, like, with a Chicago accent, doing an Australian accent. is probably one of the better sure. things I've heard today.
3: You know, uh, the last time I had met Ant uh, was at the games, you know, at the end of July, and he pulls me off to the side, and he's like, how come you have this this Chicago accent and Luke doesn't? You guys come from the both same town, same area. He goes, I don't understand how come you sound the way you do and Luke sounds the way he does.
1: Did you, did you give him a reason?
3: I have a reason. I, I didn't know what to say. I was at a loss Luke, moved to,
1: Cal- Luke, Luke moved to California, and he, he left all of his roots, including his accent and his his small-town I, mentality.
3: I don't know. Luke, man, he's back in the Midwest how many times a year, at least four or five times a year? Six. Six. Every three weeks. You know, he can't, yeah, every three weeks the that's guy's get back. That's because...
1: It's only because beer is cheaper there.
3: <laughs> Gas too. <laughs> hey,
2: Callie, remember how much a case of beer costs down in Australia? Yes, yeah, it's very bucks. expensive. Yeah, expensive. Yeah. So we well, can get a box of wine for twenty. So.
3: Oh, damn. What's happening? <laughs> uh, what's going on down in Australia? What are you doing down there, Luke? We uh, we actually just got
2: got done training at Ann's house. He's got uh, a pretty nice setup. How big of a lot is his Uh,
4: 1,250. 12, 12, 12 square meters, so a quarter 12,
2: of an acre. Like a quarter acre lot, and he's got a pool back here. He's got his own separate office physio setup, and he's got a nice little outdoor rig setup that's uh, got two squat stations, so uh, he's been diagnosing and picking apart uh, Bobby and my's movement. We were just out there squatting some triples and doing some bench press and and Ant was kind enough to to enlighten us on just the the minor little tweaks in setup and execution, uh, either through the thorax, slight overextension, exaggerated overextension. Uh, and just because Bobby just got off an airplane, he had a 25-hour travel trip or travel holy day. Oh, shit.
5: Rugged. Or 30 hours. 30 hours with all the layovers all over the place. So, uh I was not really—I had airplane back. wasn't really geared up to get under a heavy barbell, but uh, thankfully we had Ant to stick his finger in my ribs and sort out my <laughs> sort out my back spot.
2: <laughs> we're in Sydney right now, and uh, uh, just finishing up here. We're going to record here, and then we're going to pop off, drive up to Newcastle, which is like two hours. Yep. Okay. And uh, Ant would be coming with us, but he's got different plans this weekend. womp.
4: <laughs> Sorry, fellas. I'd love to be there, but family holiday
5: sort of about.
3: So, Ant, what were some of the things? I mean, Luke just briefly mentioned some of the uh, issues that they were having, but um, what was what's, like, your opinion on what you saw as far as their movement? Meaning, is it is it something common uh, that you see in, like, a, a power athlete type of an um, individual, or... Uh, was it purely like, uh, what would I, I want to say like customized, but I mean, was it purely just related to like their each, you know, their body structure and stuff like that? Yeah,
4: so I, what I see in Luke and and Bobby and quite often in a lot of um, different, different uh, athletes, to be honest, is that uh, it's the ones who do what they're told. And try to do the right thing all the time, they end up with these overcooked positions. So, um, so yeah, very very common in people who are diligent. People who are a little bit lazier, like me, we don't we don't get these sorts of problems because we're not consistently
5: standing (laughs)
3: down. I'm just curious on like when you were talking like the overcooked positions, could you elaborate on that a little bit more?
4: Yeah, so, overcooked positions can happen at any joint. Uh, In particular, uh, hyperextension of the thoracic spine is a common one when you're trying to pull your shoulder blades back. Uh, Shoulders with the elbows, you know, you're trying to generate the tension across that upper back for the bar, but um, when you lift those elbows high, you can actually push the the head of the humerus forward and that can cause tendonitis and uh, impingement in the shoulders. You know, your biceps tendon, your rotator cuff tendon tends to cop it. Um, with the spine, you can get jamming. You know, you feel locked up and you want somebody to quick your back or um, your ribs can pull apart a bit and then that gives you a bit of a tension in the back and you want somebody to massage you all the time. Um, or even, uh, you can have these problems and then because your body's trying to compensate for it, it can actually cause pain somewhere where it's not the main problem so um, you know that sort of stuff happens.
2: So specifically Bobby had got off the airplane and just, just like man my hammies and my, my QL are just lit up and it's like oh let's see what's going on and then he prodded around a little bit and it ended up being more of an issue through that the rib is not su- being properly supported and uh, you know he taught Bobby a few, uh, few drills, few skills, few drills to get that going and it was literally instantaneous. It was uh, It was unbelievable.
5: At herself this way so, pull in, drive up, or me meet, meet like this. And then when you when I was actually making contact, it was two ribs that were kind of a little bit out of place on both sides. And uh, the way I was normally bracing, I just felt I feel the ribs out of position. And then pulling in under the bracing strategy that Ann had provided, the ribs come right
2: in. The pain goes away from the low back. It was pretty amazing. And I need you guys to, to imagine this, because Ant's also trying to help me out, like, uh, in terms of just expanding, I guess, not only just my coach's eye, but kind of the, I would call it, like, a, a, the proprioceptive feedback. So I need you to really close your eyes and just imagine this. So Ant has Bobby facing away from him, and he's uh, poking through each rib. and He's like, oh, I found it. I feel it. He's like, oh, I feel this one. He's like, come over here. I want you to do this. So I, I stand behind Bobby. And I'm kind of feeling it, and I'm like, I, I don't feel anything, and I'm, I feel like I'm blind here. He's like, just focus, use your hands, feel with your hands. And I couldn't, I could not feel these ribs out of place. So he's like, take a step forward. So at this point, Bobby's facing away from me. I'm six inches away from Bobby, like, breathing on his neck. My hands are on his hips and knees. Yes! Man. And his <laughs> hands around me his hands are on my hands, like in Ghost, <laughs> And, like, he's, like, r- moving my hands, so I'm, like, rubbing We needed the pottery wheel. You know what? It's just, <laughs> it's just three big dudes in the back door. I'm yeah. a barbell in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I've used this term before, but it was a true beef quake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's people looking out their windows, like, oh, my God. That's,
1: that's amazing. That's a great visual.
0: Yeah. So uh, when I saw it was Guys, I talk with Ant quite often, and uh, he's walked me through his breakdown and how he analyzes athletes, and it's pretty cool. Uh, so if he wants to talk more kind of, uh, Ant, you know, the just the psychosocial, articular, myofascial approach that you take, if you want to explain it to the people.
4: Yeah, yeah. So um, I've actually just uh, finished up a video I'm going to give away for free, which talks about this. But um, I... You know, whenever I look at somebody, let's just say Bobby, are you okay for me to talk about your situation, Bobby? Of course. Yeah, okay, cool. You know, like I'm a professional, so I always ask for permission. (laughs) Um, Unlike us. So, um, for example, the the situation with Bobby, Bobby said, oh, you know, sore SI, my glutes and my hamstrings, they feel lit up. So, you know, there's a joint and there's muscles that he just talked about. But when I look at an athlete, I'm looking at where's their head at, What's the situational context? Okay, the joints, but not just one joint. What are all the joints doing? What are all the muscles doing? What are all the nerves doing? How's the brain coordinating the whole pattern? You know, fatigue comes into it. He just had a 30-hour journey. He'd been sustained position for a long time um, in different planes and layovers. Um, so, so there's articular myofascial. So the muscles, the neural system. Even his internal organs, you know, if he he doesn't drink very much and if he just came off a buck's party, you know, your liver can can wreak havoc in there and can cause muscular pulling. Or if you've got things like, um, you know, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, um, you can have things like irritable bowel syndrome or things like that. They can all cause musculoskeletal problems. So I'm thinking about all of that and then the technique the, that they choose to use as well. So there's six different systems that I look at um, when assessing an athlete. So each region, say so the shoulder, the, the lower back, whatever, I uh, each region has these six systems that I'm always thinking about, uh, not just a muscle or not just a nerve or not just a joint. Is that the sort of thing that you wanted me to talk about, Tex?
0: Yeah, in in recent podcast, Callie and I we've talked a lot about coaching an athlete, and you are not necessarily coaching them. You're just taking that whole whole approach to what's what stresses are going on. Like, did they go out drinking? Uh, what previous injuries? I know uh, Luke and and Bobby they played football and rugby, so they've got they've got history of just rib bruises and getting beat up. So, what kind of uh, what kind of approach you take with just that whole aspect of the athlete. I think it's unique. And um, just if, if you can go just a little bit further, I know the the six systems I have them written down right here, psychosocial, articular, myofascial, neural, visceral, and then performance.
1: No, I guess um, if I could steer it kind of slightly, I guess I'm curious as to what your goal is um, what is your goal when you're approaching an athlete is it based on whatever their goal is or in the back of your mind are you like okay I'm always going to try to create a better mover or am I always trying to look for them to for instance follow um, you know, a traditional lifting movement or a traditional lifting form? Am I looking them to fall into this kind of cookie cutter? And I know that's not what you do, but sort of people's advocate, like, my, what, is, what is your, um, you know, what is what's sort of driving your practice with these athletes? Yeah,
4: so my number one goal is to consider their goals. But their goals might be unrealistic, you know. Like, I mean, this all fits into the psychosocial area. They may have a goal of being a CrossFit Games athlete, but they have a knee which won't allow full-depth squat, and they want to go to the CrossFit Games next year. You know, I can't do their goal because they have a physical limitation. So it's always balanced by safety. And I just want better movers, and what I like to do is expose whatever weakness they have. If somebody can do, um, just say somebody can do fast squatting, um, you know, very quick tempo type stuff, I want to see if they can hold a, a five second pause, a different type of challenge. So I'm looking for holes in their game because for me, the complete athlete won't have any holes in their game ideally. Um, all their strengths would be spread around nicely. So, the goal is to consider their goals, to get as much of their goals achieved, and do so in a safe manner and improve their movement.
1: Right, based on those kind of six sort of um, areas.
4: Yeah, the six systems for each region. So, you know, you could have, say, um, a sciatica on the left, you could have. A non-painful motor control, a neural problem in your thorax, in your ribs, and then you could have on the right side you could have a really flared-up elbow. You know, they may be three different problems, or they may be the one problem with two different painful manifestations. So my job is to sort out. You know, yeah, you got you got five or six different sore areas. What my goal is is to fire the one bullet that gets as many of the targets knocked down as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. Um, How do you, um, just out of curiosity, I don't mean to derail this at all from from Texas question, but hopefully it'll tie in. But how do you empower your athletes to be proactive in their own sort of process of whether it's like rehabilitation or attack those, um, you know, whatever limiting factors that you've, Sort of diagnosed within them. How do you like either motivate them to do so, or how do you provide them the tools? Um, and do you have do you have steps in place in in sort of your role as a physio to enact that or impart that empower that athlete?
4: Yeah. So the number one motivating factor um, that I've found over the 20 years that I've been working is results. If you get results. People will do things, like for instance for Bobby, I told him a cue that I wanted him to do because I thought it would work, all my testing told me that it would work, but if I told Bobby, Bobby this works because my testing says so, it doesn't mean Jack to him, but the fact that he could get under the bar and start squatting where he had pain before and now he doesn't have pain because he does it my way. That's how I empower the athletes to do it. I'm pretty confident that Bobby's going to try to hold on to that cue because it felt better. It resulted in a better performance. So that's the number one way is result. It's not going to be some theoretical, oh, well, you know, this works for everybody, you know, the curse of the gifted because because it works for Jack over there. We're going to do this for everyone. No, for me, it's all about the results and it's individual results, making sure that that individual gets it right. Um, so that's number one number two is trying to teach them the principles now because I get people who travel um, you know people from America people from from two hours away will come to have a session with me um, I use a lot of coaches eye to uh, to record it to to you know use the diagramming to uh, show them what to look out for and then they send me videos you know like um the service doesn't end with the start time, the end time of the appointment. The service continues because people send me videos, and you know, if you post something on my on my Facebook page, you're giving me free content. Um, you know, I, I give away free information. If someone wants a squat fix, nobody's fixed it. Post a video on my Facebook page, the Video Detective, and um, we go.
3: Shameless plug. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hey, Aunt, um, one of those one of the six um, categories that Tex was talking about was neurological. And I remember when when I was out at Power Athlete HQ, um, I took some video of you, you working with Luke where uh, Luke was having like some rotational issues and you pulled out a band and you had him like wrap the band around his scapula and you I remember you saying you're like you know what this band's going to do nothing but it's not going to it's not going to do anything but just kind of like set luke's mind to know that he had that band there but it wasn't going to aid in his movement at all it was just there so he could feel it and you were telling him to like think yep. about this you know think about twisting this way and, and think about that and the other thing and he was able to do what you would ask for and he had like full rotation on the left side and on the right side and I remember thinking like how often do you see that when you work with people where it's just a matter of like this mind mind muscle connection you know um, with with the athlete. It's every day Danny every day but like I mean that is
4: what I do—it's the essence of what I do. Um, you know, a good coach can do very, very similar things to what I do. The only difference that that, that I have over them is that I just usually have a, a deeper understanding of how the body works. The other thing is is that because I was a pretty crappy student in my undergrad days, I didn't—I didn't hit a cookie cutter. I I kind of broke the mold because I wasn't around, and um, you know I was having fun. <laughs> I was having fun in college, so um, so you know my results were only a credit average, you know just under seventy percent. But um, but what that did was it meant that when I went out there and I was a very average physiotherapist, I was sick of not knowing um, answers to my questions, and then supposedly very smart people couldn't give me the answers either and they just set me on a journey to, um, to work out what's the best way, the fastest way um, to help people and because I didn't have all those preconceived ideas because I wasn't checked in mentally at, at college, it, it gave me the freedom to, to develop ideas and challenge the, the establishment which, which means that often my way is unconventional but I'm I'm happy to be outside of the mainstream and you know, you go see somebody and most of the time it works, you know? But when you go see somebody and it doesn't work and you've exhausted all the conventional options, that's where I, I really get the freedom to go, look you've tried everything else, they're all good people. Um, now it's time to try some strange stuff and let's go have some fun with that.
2: So now and you have these six principles and is this a hierarchy? No, uh, well the, the
4: brain game is certainly in the center and it drives a lot of what goes on but then you've got the articular, the myofascial, the visceral and the neural, they sit outside. Um, so if you can just imagine the center of a wheel being the psychosocial or the, or the mental game and then you've got around that uh, another, say, an inner wheel and that's that's those four things. So joints, muscles, nerves, brain, and the internal organs, and then on the outside, the last circle on the outside is your strategies for performance and function, your technique, how you do what you do. And so the idea is, is that if the core of your being, if your mental game is off, it affects your whole performance. The wheel is off.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Or you might have a joint that's not right, like you might have an ACL tear, um, and you don't have the muscles to support the knee joint. Then that part of the wheel becomes wonky, and so your performance is wonky because the wheel is not balanced down. So it's not my model; it's a model um, from a couple of Canadian physios, but I love it.
2: It just makes so much sense. And then, how would you compare? Would that would you consider that a conventional or unconventional model in contrast to maybe some of the people who were the nerds in college and didn't have fun, and uh, you know they have a hard time thinking outside of the that they established at a young age. Yeah, so um, look,
4: I I think it's just an extension of what's commonly accepted. Um, You know, people will tell you that they're holistic, but they won't necessarily understand how to understand. For example, Bobby today had a left sciatica, and he kept pointing to his joint low in his back, and he kept pointing to his left hip and his left hamstring, And Bobby will confirm to you I didn't touch anything below his back because all of a sudden once I once I assessed his back I could we could see, Luke could see. I showed Luke where the problem was first coming from up higher. So we looked up higher, we found the ribs. As soon as we controlled the ribs, I pushed on the rib. Bobby said that his pain was a lot less. I pushed on a different rib, it took the pain away, we got him under the bar, he was able to squat without pain. It's literally that quick less than three minutes five minutes and he was squatting without pain
2: which doctor stuff. We only had to do a dance around a flaming skull uh, <laughs> and wear uh, a celebrate uh, like a, a headdress as well
4: that's it but that's just normal <laughs> stuff you know I think it was
0: actually such that maybe he's cured Bobby.
1: you've now you've officially had your hands on the, the most of the power athlete staff, um, and I, you know I'm just curious uh-huh. I'm not competitive but who is the least jammed up and it's okay to say me if that's like the first person Will that comes hard. to mind
5: Wilborn has to be most jammed
2: up Wilborn's got to be jammed up hard <laughs> right Wilborn <Well, laughs> is jammed, jammed up a
1: lot I think we just found our quote <laughs> for this show
5: <laughs> wow.
1: go, go and- on
4: yeah, I would, I would say it's competition between you and Chelsea, to be honest.
5: Ah, the of least jammed
2: up The least jammed up. You know what's so crazy is they're the least jammed up, but they're always jamming me up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that bitch, I swear, I'm gonna jam her up.
5: <laughs>
1: Do you have a special power athlete in your life? Give the gift that you know every self-involved athlete can't live without, attention. That's right, for the first time ever, you can sponsor an entire episode of Power Athlete Radio. Here's how it works. The silent auction will start today, December 12th, and run for one week, closing at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on December 17th. You can submit your offer by going to PowerAthleteHQ.com. If you win the silent auction, you'll be able to dedicate the podcast to one lucky power athlete. Your episode will air on Christmas Day, complete with two one-minute spots where yours truly will regale listeners with short stories, dedications, or messages to that special someone. Remember that this present is appropriate for just about anyone, provided English is their primary language and they have reasonable hearing. So treat a workout partner, a coach, a mailman, a significant other, even yourself. With over 7,000 downloads an episode, your gift will be the envy of many a listener. Give the gift that lives forever in audio history. It's like naming a star, except less depressing. Because as we all know, visible stars are actually already dead. Happy holidays.
2: Let's see, what else will we, well, uh, I was out here a couple days early visiting with uh both. With our buddy Bo and his his girlfriend, and we uh, we spent a day with Aunt as well. And you know he helped the, everybody out. And but uh, part of that, we're I mean I had I had the last leg of Bobby's trip, so I only had maybe 15 hours that I suffered. But I ended up getting in uh, Wednesday morning and uh, just took a really kind of like a quick tour of Manly Beach down here, which is a cool little area. You know, and I uh, was able to sit on the beach for a couple hours, and then I was desperately seeking Wi-Fi in Manly. <laughs> there is no, no Wi-Fi in Manly. And uh, the Wi-Fi at, at Bo's Place, uh, you can only connect for, for five minutes at a time, and then you're, you're off for 10. And it's uh, it was, I was, so I apologize, I guess, in hindsight to some of the people who have been hitting me up for some customer service stuff. Uh, my, my hopes are in Newcastle. Uh, we're going to be able to plop down and get some office hours. But uh, yeah, then we got the cert. We got the cert down here. Um, Ray Daniel's going to be we there. Just, That's what i can,
1: can we say that anybody who has complaints about the customer
2: service can also email you directly? Just email. Here, listen, these people are jamming me up. You're jamming me up. Australia Wi Fi is jamming me up. No wonder I'm so jammed up down here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a big cert this weekend, huh? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I think we got, uh, I think we got 40. 40.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not bad. Not right, bad. So, so Denny, what, so what else is on the docket for today?
3: Well, we got um, you and Tex both re- released some great articles that are on Power Athlete HQ's site. Um, Tex has got planes, axes, and primal movements. That also uh, Ant released an article. Uh, man, what do we got back in March? All right, um, talking about it kind of correlates to the same uh, information that Tex was going in the specific movements in the in three dimensions. And I thought maybe Tex and Ant can just kind of start a conversation regarding. Uh, Tex's purpose of putting that article out there, what his intentions were, and then Ant just, you know, through his article, his is kind of just like noticing, um, you know, maybe there could be some holes in just working totally in a sagittal plane motion, which a lot of, uh, you know, the CrossFit movements seem to be geared in. So, Tex, I mean, that article that you came out with, um, you know, what What was kind of, what were you driving at?
0: Uh, a, a lot of things. So I, uh, I'm, I'm writing a few other articles uh, just right now, and I'm digging in deep into some ACL uh, just kind of prevention strategies. And uh, Ant and I, we sat down at the games. We were there for three days, and each day we had a different conversation about the hamstring and then it's uh, kind of purpose, it's action through all three planes of motion. And uh, so I'm sitting here putting together this ACL piece, and it's like, well, holy shit, uh, what's the biggest thing that we have a problem with at our certs? And it's people kind of they're stuck in this sagittal plane. They're stuck in this, uh, this programming mindset of everything in that door frame. So uh, I know every field sport athlete, you don't have to think about it, you're just going through every single plane of motion every day, but a lot of the coaches and the people we're starting to deal with now, they are in that one plane. So it was just to kind of approach to go, let's go all the way back to the basics so then we can truly make an impact uh, with these other articles and approaches. So I, I Even with the twisting, uh, the rotation article that I, I called Ant about, it was Sagittal plane that's the biggest problem and so it just that article and the ACL research I had to take a step back so we can like, take two steps forward um, So and if you want to talk about that sagittal sagittal plane article even though it was way back in March It's still still evident all over with the competitions and even at the games. Yeah,
4: so So sagittal plane is the motion that's the most commonly used which is like the the forwards Backwards of the hip, flexion extension, transverse plane is a twisting, um, and that's what I think is the one that's misfitted as well as the coronal or frontal plane sort of motion. You know, um, and when you think about it, there's not many exercises that that really develop um, rotation and um, and side bending as there is for flexion extension. It's, just much easier to stand in the doorway and do stuff, you know. Um, but I find in my assessment when I'm asking people to do things I'll get them to bend over and twist and they don't know how to do it. They look gumby. They look really unco, uncoordinated and um, and when I see that, you know, that just reinforces my belief that if I can find out the the holes in somebody's system then it produces better athletes and it gives your brain more options. The way that the body works is very simply the more options that you have for movement, so more movement options, the more likely you are to be able to um, accommodate any sort of known and unknowable situation that's thrust upon you. So I remember talking to John about um, you know he's set up on the line and whatever his play is he's trying to get good first initial contact like that's a known situation and the unknown would be just the little different variations that the player could do that he's going to go up against they're the little they're the little unknown bits but ultimately both people know that you're going to try to jam somebody up um, however um, you know sometimes you're on the football field or, or the classic was I was watching million dollar baby and this is spoiler alert if you've not seen it but, um, you know, in, in one of the fights, the, the bell is gone and, and one of the characters puts on a cheap shot after the bell and it results in catastrophic consequences and that's an unknowable situation and, that's you know, sometimes accidents just happen. But um, for me, if, you're, if your body does not have a good rotation or side bending strategy that it can call upon at any time, Then you're just going to load up different joints, and that's how people do get jammed up. They, you know, they feel jacked. They feel like they need a stretch or a massage, and you know, you go get a massage, and they release your muscles. And sometimes you can actually feel worse, and that's because your muscles were actually serving a purpose in that tension, and taking that tension away just made the situation worse. So the whole idea is is to give yourself 100% the best chance of surviving life by having all
0: planes in motion taken care of. And some some injuries that I, I've personally personally witnessed kind of associated with overloading that sagittal plane, uh, it just just kind of at, at Texas with the football team, just the amount of kind of groin injuries and stuff that you wouldn't I've never seen kind of in my sporting experience or working with other teams, just kind of light loads, heavy reps and just Go 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 go, and not a lot of rotation or kind of side to side lateral movement, frontal plane movement with those athletes, and then it resulted in kind of four athletes with the same injury. So if multiple athletes have the exact same injuries on a team, you know something's wrong with your training. And uh, just talking Absolutely. with a few uh, CrossFit, yeah, CrossFit coaches approached me. Uh, their athletes are just so locked down; their ribs cannot expand. And uh, I, that's one of the things I brought to Ant. I'm like, could this be rotation? And he said, Yeah, external obliques, just locked down. They can't, they can't twist, and then that holds down the lungs, and it's all connected.
3: So Tex, well, 100%. You know, and, um, you know, Tex, you've gone to uh, some other these some universities. Um, you're on a seminar staff. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're traveling all across. Would you fault the strength and conditioning coach for not implementing a program for a field sport athlete that isn't in, uh, paying attention to, like, rotational movement? Is it squarely on that coach's
0: shoulders? Uh, I, in an injury like that I witnessed, I want to say yes. But yeah. the amount of, the amount of pressure that was at that level and that coach it was it was it was unbelievable to take you know just like a, he's he's got a lot to deal with and uh, they're not guys that are willing to hand off programming for other coaches to look over. It's write it all down, deal with all the bullshit. Head coach, uh, sport coach, you got to deal with, and then give it to these athletes, and they have to go 100%. And those athletes, they don't know any better. And this is this is what really kind of motivates me is that athlete. He he thinks every sprint. Every squat, everything that he's given, he's gonna do it his damnedest because it's gonna win him a national championship. It's gonna give him an opportunity at the NFL. But Mm -hmm. the coach half assed his programming or his approach to this athlete, and that athlete pays the consequences.
3: And how how big do you how great is that problem? You think that's pretty rampant across the strength, you know? division, you know, pro level, collegiate th- level?
0: Um, I can only speak from my personal experience at the college level with the schools mm-hmm. I was with. I don't know if it's a big problem. Uh, I can't put the blanket answer on that because uh, I, I do know some great coaches out there and they're they're fighting at different schools, kind of the same uphill battle, and that's where we connect. And the, we're all young guys. So I know they the, the coaches that are in the position – they're, uh, they're dealing with the same sport coach pressures, the same money pressures, and it's all us uh, younger guys that are seeing all the problems. We're approaching the sport coaches, but then problems still occur. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a whole other conversation altogether.
5: And well, I like if
1: I may speak to, um, speak to Ant's uh, sort of unique style, I mean, he is the best at what he does, um, and... Uh, you know just the fact that and his article you guys can find it on the um, how he addresses this as an issue just within like the the popular sport of crossFit you know uh, I think it speaks to him sort of you know having a bit of a, a non-traditional um, and very like like he said earlier you know 10 minutes ago how he has sort of that unconventional approach because he was never he was never um you know, inducted into this cookie cutter sort of view of a sport or a training system or, you know, a way to view living factors. I mean, he just, he just sort of evolved his methods on his own and I think through observation, I really, I admire Ant's, um, it's not courage, but it's just like his willingness to sort of say, okay, this is a problem and it's not being addressed and it's part of athleticism and it's, um, you know, a huge component to to making sure these athletes are balanced, not only in terms of like testing them, but in terms of, you know, just general like, you know, making sure that they're they're good movers and and hopefully, um, you know, extenuating that that athletic uh, longevity. So I, I think it's it's great that you that you wrote that article and and I think um, you know more people should sort of speak up to to the shortcomings that we see in all sports. So.
0: And uh, it's unfortunate in uh, the sports, the athletic trainer, kind of almost like the physical therapist to uh, a a sports team, they are viewed as an enemy because they take a player off the field or the court even though they have the player's best intentions. You know, they want to make sure they're safe and continue to play. So, uh, Ant, have you ever had any backlash from coaches or players in your experience that ignore you just to get back on the field?
4: Oh, uh, yeah, of course, of course, um, you know, and it's tough because you want to keep working with the athletes, but you've got to go through the gatekeeper, and if you, if you piss the coach off, then you're not going to get access to the athletes, and so it's a very delicate political minefield, to be honest, and it's not one that I, that I enjoy a lot of, um, which is why I don't work with a lot of sports teams, um just because there's going to be that tension one day and um you know and a kid is a kid who's a kid you know they just want to play they want to please people they want to win and they're just going to defer their health and they're just going to put it on the line when really we're playing you know we're playing park footy we're not playing for a million dollars if, if you if you have to play two more games this season to get a million dollar bonus, well, hell, that's a pretty good incentive to, to stay on the field. But if you're playing park footy and I think that this will result in an operation that's going to take you nine months to come back from and it's going to affect your job as a labourer, I think it's more important to take care of your, your home and your health and your, your income for the sake of playing a game that really doesn't Mean anything other than a bit of pride? You know, you have got to swallow your pride sometimes. So, um, hope I answered that. But uh, yeah, I I don't like I don't like that minefield. But at the same time, being competitive myself, I I know what it's like to want to stay out there. And you know, believe me, I've had times where even as a physiotherapist, I've waited until someone's pulled me off the field before I come off. You know, even though I know better. So I know exactly what it feels like, and so I sit between the two worlds. Um, but I'm prepared to wear the backlash. I'm big enough. I'm fat enough. I'm old enough. I've got <laughs> enough money now.
0: Ant,
1: have, have you have you ever been yep. really wrong about a diagnosis? Have you ever been really wrong? You're like, well, it's right. obvious that your rib is out of. Place and we need to work on that. And you're like, oh, holy shit! Uh, I'm completely wrong. Like everything's fine. We're fine. Um, You know, have you ever sort of been in a situation where you catch yourself in your, you know, like you've you've had like these learning processes where maybe one thing didn't work and you were way off? I'm just curious.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it happens a lot. And it happens more times than people are willing to admit. And like I said, I'm old enough. Um, I'll tell you that the way that I learned a lot of my stuff is through making mistakes and the whole idea of putting safety first is that if I do make a mistake have I made the best decision for you as an athlete because um, my decision is based on your safety I actually consider the fact okay what if I'm wrong so even though I don't talk about it a lot a lot of my decisions come down to okay what if I'm wrong when I pushed on Bobby's ribs, if I was wrong, he's just gonna have the same amount of pain. That's not really that bad a consequence. He's already got that pain. But if I did if I did a technique where I was wrong and the consequence is that he could break a bone or you know, he, he might actually have a concussion and a and a small bleed going on and I send him back on the field that's you know that's a big what if i'm wrong and and so that's why athletic trainers good ones will err on the side of caution because you have to consider what if i'm wrong
1: yeah that's yeah that's what i was hoping you would say it's annoying when people sort of can't come to terms with the fact that that's like how we all learn and that how you get you get to be an expert in your field is just through that sort of process and so um, that was a test, and I knew that you would pass
5: it.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Kelly, and thank you for your kind words earlier. But, um, you know, to be honest, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And, um, and you know, I'm trying to help some people at the moment, some women tell videos at the moment. Um, I want them to produce videos to explain some concepts that I understand, but I know that that other people don't understand and they keep giving me static you know they keep saying "Oh, but what about this or "Oh, people already know about this it's like no give people more information because the more you know the more you know the more you begin to realize what you don't know and and I'll be the first to tell you that I I hope to continue learning for the rest of my life because the day that I say that I know it all is the day that I need to retire the wrong attitude
1: this is totally going to be like me uh, being out a little bit, but I think also, and Luke, don't laugh, because I listened to podcasts recently about like what you were talking about earlier—people learning in um, you know confined institutions—and when when you sort of go through the process of you know you know getting an A on a test or getting a 4.0 or whatever these sort of um, these parameters are—not these standards are. You, you sort of feel like you you know everything at that point, and so you sort of come out the other end with a, a perspective of like you know I'm I sort of I've got this covered. But when you come from the background that you've come from, and so many other people who are successful in their field come from, it's pretty fascinating to see they've actually failed quite a bit, or they've sort of they've sort of had these shortcomings in different areas, and it's it's just shown them. And, and really sort of sparked that interest to, to gain more and more and more and more than they ever would um, had they perfected everything from the very beginning. So, so there's that.
4: One hundred percent. And one of the things that I wanted to say was that even though, you know, I've developed a lot of the specific ideas myself, uh, I've had good mentors, you know. I've, I've, I've found out who to listen to and who not to listen to. And you know, I, I challenge a lot of people's beliefs. I, <laughs> every time I turn up, you know, you guys say something, and I go, "Oh, really? Let's let's see. You know, let's see if that's really true or not." And the reason why is because somebody did that to me. You know, I I uh, spewed forth a belief, um, and they said, "You know what? Let's test that because if you're right, it should show up in testing." And sure enough. I gave them the theoretical answer, but I couldn't. I couldn't give a practical demonstration of how that should look. And um, you know, from that point on, it's like, okay, if I can't back up my beliefs, I should really challenge those beliefs and make sure that they're they're right, and that I'm implementing it correctly, or I should be willing to consider to walk away from that belief, and um, and uh, you know, consider a different belief, or try find out what the correct belief is. And uh, you know, I'm a different, I'm a different person to what I was three years ago, one year ago, ten years ago, because I'm always happy to have my beliefs challenged. If you show me a better way, you only have to show me that it's better, you know, because all the theory in the world doesn't mean jack if you can't back it up
3: with the results. Hell yeah. You know, Kelly, <laughs> that, that's that's like keeping um. That's obviously like keeping an open mind. You're, you know, you're never too arrogant to think that you know it all. Um, Accepting change, you know, I mean, kind of going along with that. um, That, that's kind of a good segue into your article that you just came out with, um, in regarding just kind of how to kind of change up your training stimulus. Um, you, You. posted an article about like seven unconventional changes that you can make. I mean, was that, could you talk a little bit about like where you, you know, we're going with that article or are you kind of taking that same approach? Like, hey, let's keep an open mind here and, um.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, you'll have, to, I'll have to apologize while I'm talking. The girls, Luke, your, your girlfriend's over here banging weights and uh, it's kind of loud, so sorry if you guys hear in the background, but, um the uh my sort of my approach to training in general is that it is such a multidimensional thing and that's the thing that fascinates me about strength conditioning and um you know I sort of I just I'm more fascinated in ways that we can improve our training that are unconventional like what what are all the other variables aside from the programming i mean we know a ton about that and we you know there's we can still continue to dive into that and dive into what's going to create the best physiological adaptation. But then there are so many other factors in our daily life, or things even within the realm of our our gym or our box, that can influence the type of progress we make. And um, so that was that was kind of the. Uh, the thing that inspired me to write it I guess but um, you know it's seven it's just I mean fuck it's like stupid douchey number like whatever it could be ten could be eleven oh. who knows but, but it's just it's just um, you know it's just a starting point for people to start to view their training in a different way um, you know that's something like I, I try to impart on people when I when I either speak at seminars or I have a chance to talk someone's ear off, say, in like a six to eight hour van ride to Las Vegas or Arizona. Um, you know, these are these are things that, that really, I think, um, play a huge role in, in how we get athletes to basically do things that are going to optimize their performance. And, um, and so, yeah, listed in the article is just some of my tricks of the trade. And I'm 100%, I should have opened it to dialogue at the bottom, and maybe I'll make a little shout-out to other people who've used other tricks, you know, in the training to, to get um, athletes to be a little bit more self-aware or to be um, a little more either aroused or sort of focused. What do they do to sort of to challenge those those different, um, whether it's mental toughness or alertness or agility, um, reaction time, how, do, how can they use unconventional approaches, and so that was just sort of my short list. And, and I know that I use them at the seminar, but, um, you know, I, I use them with myself, and, you know, I think uh, um, it's just hopefully getting people to view their training as, as not just this one-dimensional thing about getting stronger and faster, um, but but really how, how do we do that, so.
3: I know Steve chimed in. um Cause we we all know that back in the day, Steve liked to post um, the weather and the humidity <laughs> and the time of the day. I mean, all these um, circumstances that were important to his training day.
1: He did, and I was I, I was giving so much shit about that too. Uh, I gave him shit on there at, about posting the humidity because I just was like, this is such a superfluous bit of information but you know looking I I think I was probably 28 at the time uh, so I was pretty young uh, and now I'm 29 just kidding
2: 30
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so you know I, I can appreciate why that variable Paula, just
0: say you were wrong and I was right
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. You were right. It's. A, I think. Uh, I think. Even though I think part of it was like 50% ingest the fact that you had posted, uh, but the other 50% was like this is actual like le- legitimate sort of um, uh, a stressor in a training environment, and I I can appreciate that because I'm from the East Coast. I know, but there's nothing like Georgia humidity, um, and so.
0: I just, uh, yeah, that's one, that's definitely, that's definitely one example, so. Before yeah. Sally and I had nice air conditioning, and, uh, we would see Steve post the humidity and be like, ah, this fucking douche, while we're sitting there <laughs> freezing cold Dude. in the middle of summer.
1: So... So Tex and I, when we used to train at uh, at DuPont, which was like this old, uh, we we didn't have air conditioning, but it was this old gym attached. It was like a basketball court attached to an old church. And so we had access to it, but in the summertime, it had zero air conditioning. It had like a fan. And then in the wintertime, obviously, it was uh, cold as shit. The summertime was the worst. And I remember training on that floor and like the entire basketball court, if we had a class there or we were there training, it would be covered in sweat. I mean, people would just show up and be dripping. And so um, not to get too off the rails, but, yeah, it's it's taking a trip down memory lane. And Bobby knows, too.
0: Yeah, don't forget the mosquitoes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when we released those (laughs) on the 7 o'clock class?
0: (laughs)
3: Remember? Remember when you were with the Beatles? (laughs)
5: place was a mess all the time. Just clogs all over for keeping the
3: doors open, and he sees just buggy as hell. Rough. Bobby, how's the knee, dude? I see you're squatting a shit ton of weight. It's got to be feeling better.
5: Uh, not squatting a lot of weight, but uh, the knee's feeling good. Cap is feeling good. Knee
2: feels good. I'm on the mend. So Bobby's been plagued with just... Knickknacks and injuries. For we were talking, at breakfast, said two years. Yeah, for about two years, and hasn't been able to squat what like he, you know, relatively to his capability, heavy uh, because of that. Okay, so.
1: but but here's the thing: Bobby is the only one who legitimately plays like a like still like full contact sport. He's he still grapples regularly, so that's where you got most of your injuries, right, Bob?
5: Yeah, um, I tore my MCL in a, in a Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Uh, that was pretty gnarly. And um, the calf let go on a sprint, which was uh, real strange for me. I'm getting old now. You know? just, uh,
3: Come on, man. I'm just man. getting a little
5: old. Come on, Now, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I heard there was
4: Bobby's too compressed. <laughs> and his joints and his muscles aren't coping with the amount of compression that he put on there. You know what I mean? Like you, so you, still different injuries him? and like yeah. <laughs> So I don't know about stretching but he's gotta if he trains better, he's gonna protect himself a lot more. Like sometimes you can't help the MCL on your knee because somebody puts you in a lock or whatever, like I mean that's, that's a situation that you can't prevent, you can't tap out fast enough sometimes or sometimes it's just so quick it it happens. But um, things like a calf going or an elbow that's sore or a shoulder that's sore or your neck's all jacked up or um, you know you've got back pain all the time, that just like most decent uh, diligent athletes who are lifting weights are trying to compress themselves to be stiff and tight, and they don't know how to let that go so that your joints can rehydrate, they can get their um, nutrition in, and um, they keep the tension on too much. So, um, you know, when you're relaxing, relax. When you need to be stiff, be stiff. And if you have trouble doing that at the right times, they have pills for that too. You know, relaxing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let let go,
3: man. Just let it go. That's kind of zen. Let man. it go. That's yeah, kind of zen That was, that light, was very B. One. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was very Bruce Lee of you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, Aunt. Uh, being that you're, you're like a wealth of knowledge, do you um, have you ever studied like any of the pressure points? Uh, do you know who Richard or uh, George Dillman is? Have you ever no, heard of No, because I don't. Like, George Dillman.
4: conventional training. I don't know
3: who a lot of the names are. <laughs> um, Kyushu, um, Jitsu? No, I don't know who that is. The Art of the Method of Pressure Point Fighting? Have you ever heard of, like, the 14 Meridians of the Body?
4: Yeah, so that sounds very Eastern, and it'll be a variation yeah, yeah. on that. And, it is very uh,
3: Eastern, dude. There's, like, there's 14 Meridians of the Body, right? Uh like 12 on the left side 12 on or uh, 6 on the left, 6 on the right and the last two are like on the body center line so each meridian is named after an organ to which they correspond. There's like the stomach, the spleen, the gallbladder I mean you know you're known for like sticking your fingers in people's ribs and stuff like that I mean are you you know do you think about uh, like pressure points or is, is there any kind of connection there?
4: So what I um, what I often uh, say about things like that is that um, people develop theories, whether they be Eastern or Western. People develop these theories based on what they observe. So um, I'm sure that this pressure point fighting, they're they're finding weaknesses. You know, it could be at an intersection of a nerve. It could be um, at at the blending of the tendon into the muscle. Um, it could be that you've got a bunch of nerves. Um, you know, there are some of my colleagues who don't believe at all in trigger points and, and all the things that you're talking about, but I very am, uh, I, I am very open to, to the theory. I just, um, I, I get my results more. So just because you believe that waving your hands dressed in a costume over my head took my headache away, um it's not necessarily the reason why it went away you know what i mean but i'm happy that the results were there um so i'm open to to the practice of things and i'm also open to the reason why and it's not necessarily the reason that you tell me
1: i think ant just said there is no god which is weird because that's what i heard (laughs) that's so bizarre (laughs)
4: There he is definitely a god.
1: I'm just trying to create a little controversy, to spice things up a little bit. <laughs> uh,
3: useless information. Commence. So, yeah, short so <laughs> closing part yeah, of. Yeah,
1: it's that, all be edited. All right. This will all be edited out here's anyway. It's fine.
2: Now here's an update for you guys. So clearly, on a 15-hour flight, you have a TV screen in front of you. Here's what I watched. All right. And this is, for recommendation, of one of my, oh my buddies God. who has terrible taste in 22 Jump Street. Have you seen 22 Jump Street? Anyone? No. Yes. Yes.
3: No. No.
2: It's awesome. Oh, wait,
1: no. It's, I saw it, 21. It has, 21
2: Jump Street is what I saw. You know, it's not like it is... First off, let me go ahead and just preface it with it's not good. But it's, it's great. It's awesome. They ha- I, I was... Deep belly laughing out loud, like, har-har laughing to the point where, like, I, it, people were staring at me at this one scene, uh, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it was hilarious. It, and then the best, I'd say the second, besides that one scene, the second best part is the end, and it's not, like, a, like the credits, and it's not, this isn't really a spoiler, but, like, uh, they go into 23 Jump Street, 24 Jump Street, 25 Jump Street, and they have all these different themes, like, you're going to culinary school, or uh, you're going to dancing school, and, like, uh, it's just some Stop. good stuff. So if you haven't you're seen that one it yet, uh, no, these, You're giving it away. Definitely right.
0: No, it's not giving
2: it away. Texas, that gives
0: it away. It's hilarious. But each detail involved <laughs> in everything up to 40 Jump Street is really funny. Did yeah, you go so
2: like a 40 Jump Street
3: did you guys see any? the frickin' trailer for the new Terminator?
0: Oh, yes, yes. I mean, come on, dude. I, Arnold Arnold looks 30 years old. It's
3: awesome. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene where Arnold says, I'll be back. He jumps from a helicopter, or he's jumping out of something to a helicopter, and he's got, like, fucking gray hair, dude. Denny, did
2: you just knock Arnold? Sounds
3: perfect. I knocked Arnold. He's like seventy years old. What? Why is he making? Denny, did you just podcast? resign from the podcast? Uh-huh. I
1: knocked Arnold.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know you do Arnold, Opera. This is Arnold. Arnold needs money,
0: dude. Arnold needs pro- money for all his illegitimate
3: children out there and It's gonna
0: win an Academy Award, Denny. You need to shut your mouth.
3: You need <laughs> to shut your mouth. I, hey,
0: Denny, I, best I, I've ever made. This.
3: Thank you. No, no, even oh, the this you know, is, even the new Terminator isn't cool, man.
0: Well, it's, it's like like Christian Bale, and yeah, Christian Bale can do no wrong. No.
3: This uh, i tell the, this you what is, the is the cool, worst and I know
5: argument.
3: it's going to probably strike a nerve with tally but did you guys see the Episode seven trailer <laughs> for Star Wars? The Force Awakens? Looks good. The new lightsaber? Yeah, Dark Invader,
2: Rock are all back. It's going to suck, though.
3: No way. Uh, Denny, you
0: don't know anything. The first three suck. Oh,
3: come on, man.
0: Which first three?
3: I mean... Um,
2: sorry, the second three that were the first three. Prequels, one through three. Original three that were four, five, and six.
1: Listen,
5: the everyone's going to
3: have a more open back. mind. Empire Strikes Back you got to think Everyone's of the, 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 the it, prequels though. are like the modern-day Metallica, you know? Yes, the, the old-school Metallica oh. was oh my good. God. But, I mean, some of the newer Metallica songs cool. are good as well.
1: We have officially gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're not <laughs>
3: quite
2: on, a, there.
1: On, a, on a crazy <laughs> train. <laughs> on a crazy train. Isn't that Metallica? <laughs> <clears throat>
2: Before we go, Ant, do you got anything coming up that you want to push out there or point anyone in the right direction? Um, yeah, I've got a few things.
4: Number one, I want you to keep an eye out for, um, for a video. It's two hours of my introduction talk, which can usually range between one hour and two hours. I took took my time on this one. It's two hours of me explaining uh, how I think, how I assess, uh, just my beliefs on a whole bunch of things. So, You know, when you see that, sign up for it. It's a free download. Um, And I'm going to hopefully next year be putting out a lot of materials about uh, drills and how to take care of your shoulder, how to take care of your core, and uh, working closely with the para-athlete guys on um, some content stuff as well. So um, I've got a lot planned for this coming year. I've also got uh, plans, Denny and Tess and Bobby, if you can... Get me to America. Uh, I hope to do a little American tour of the power athlete different uh, regions, and um, and you know spread some of the love and uh, hopefully do some um, pelvic floor type work as well.
2: So that'll be good.
4: So, and where specifically is the
2: best place to keep an eye out for this video? Mm-hmm. Facebook? They should it get on uh, Facebook. Or
4: yeah, it? there's Facebook, but it's going to be on my blog, com. Okay.
1: Okay, we're going to start a hashtag, Ant2America, and then it's just like <laughs> a donation page.
4: Thank you very right, much, guys. Kelly. We'll definitely come offline, guys.
5: Adios. Okay, bye. Thank
2: you very Shut
5: much. Let's go.